Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am joined by a very special, financially savvy, witchy lady today, uh, Laura, aka the Witch of Wall Street. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and to bring it to our listeners around getting financially empowered, but in a really practical, tangible way. So, uh, Laura, do you want to introduce yourself just really quickly and then we'll dive into the juice? Oh my God, I can't wait for all the, the money juice. <laughs> the money juice. Um, yeah, I mean, to say I'm the Witch of Wall Street is probably a really good summation of who I am and what I stand for in bridging wealth and woo for women and specifically bringing financial education and empowerment to spiritual women in a very practical 3D strategic way, but in a way that feels familiar and feminine and accessible. So that's what we're here for today for this conversation. Amazing. And that's exactly why you're here and why I felt drawn to you and started following you and learning from you because I feel like there's these two different camps when it comes to conversations and education around money online. From what I observe, there's the spiritual women who are talking about wealth energetics and your beliefs and your mindset and co-creating with God and sometimes you're pussy when it comes to money. And then you have the people who are like really, um, some people would say masculine. It's very like da-da-da, here are the steps, here's what to invest in, like all these rules around how to save money, how to invest money, how to create wealth. Um, And so I really love how you bridge the two, the spirituality, the importance of your beliefs and manifesting, but also this very real world, step-by-step practical information when it comes to what do you actually do? Uh, And we were just on your podcast actually, and we were talking afterwards about how uh, like a lot of people and a lot of spiritual women and leaders, they find it quite easy to make money or to manifest money, but sometimes keeping it or actually growing that money, having that money work for you is like a missing piece for them. Mm. Uh, So the first thing I would love us to dive into is if you were starting your financial empowerment journey, you know, I'm thinking of our listeners right now as well. Some of them might have never invested anything and they don't really know what to start with, or they feel a bit silly. Mm -hmm. Like where would you start making moves or what are like the easiest things you can do to start getting that money growing and working for you? Okay. So get your cauldron under full moon, make your money spell. (laughs) (laughs) No, some practical steps. Look, What we do, obviously, and we're going to get into that, it's very much practical, grounded in the 3D, because I love the 5D, I love the manifestation, working on your beliefs, your subconscious mind, all of the woo stuff. But the reality is our soul, as much as we can say we're we're soul, we're um, soul just living in a physical body, our soul still chose to be in a very physical 3D world. And we interact with this thing called money. So we may as well figure out how to interact with it in a positive way 
in our physical world. So I love that we get to bridge these worlds right now with like 3D, 5D spirituality strategy and all of it. So if I was starting from scratch, fresh on my journey again in becoming financially empowered. So luckily there's actually a very step-by-step process and this is going to be the same for every every single woman listening, regardless of where they're starting from. So they don't have to go on some wild goose chase of guessing like, well, what am I supposed to do? And so if you're starting in your financial journey, the very first thing you're going to want to be looking at is getting yourself set up your FU fund, right? And this can be a literal or an energetic FU to any moment you may experience in life. And it's basically your savings fund. And so what can often happen is that as you mentioned, women can be, these spiritual women can be amazing at manifesting money, amazing at making it, but don't have any oversight as what's coming in, what's going out, where's it going. And so you can see people making a lot of money, but not saving anything. They can be living this really rich lifestyle. And on the exterior, they're presenting themselves to the world as really rich. But actually, when the reality, when you look at what they're doing with their money, they're not getting any richer, right? They're just projecting that out. And so step one is always get yourself set up a FU fund. And so what this is, is it's basically a savings fund. It's something that we've all come across at some point since we were kids, I'm sure, with your piggy bank. It's a basic savings fund. However, you're going to set it up slightly different. And so this is like more of a witchy approach to things, a wealthy witch approach. Most of the advice that we've been given is save, yes, but just save it in a regular bank account. Now, the challenge with that is that the interest rates, the um, the money that we make on that money sitting in a bank account are so tiny, 0.1%, 0.3% perhaps, right? So you're not even getting a full 1%. And here's why that's an issue. We have this mean girl called inflation, right? Which is basically just the rate at which things get more expensive year on year. It's like we can reflect nostalgically on our time, like on the, our parents' time where everything was so much cheaper, right? That's yeah. inflation at work. Everything is more expensive. Almond milk will be more expensive in five years than it is right now. Inflation. So why does that matter? Well, if your money's sitting in just a regular bank account and it's only earning 0.1, 0.3%, inflation, everything's getting more expensive. The minimum inflation target is 2%. Now we've seen that go spiraling out of control. So if you see it, just the basic maths of, well, my money is just sitting there. It's not doing anything. And it's only growing by 0.1%. The cost of everything around me is growing by 2% at least, if not more. Then you can see, but by just leaving my money in that savings account this time next year, I actually have less. Yeah. You lose money. Yeah. You're losing money. That's crazy. Yes. So this (laughs) practical advice to women of, let your money just sit in a savings account, be good, save, is actually terrible advice. The habit of saving, great, but just the practicality of saving in a regular bank account, terrible for these days. So what do we do instead? <laughs> right? mm-hmm. We don't have to cast any spells. We put it in something called a high yield savings account or a high interest savings account. So we can go really practical here, right? Yeah. Yield, interest, they mean the same thing. It's just, so my, I have a degree in finance. That's my world. I've spent 10 years working in finance. So there's a very different language that the financial industry uses. And one of the reasons for that is to make it feel more complex than it needs to be. Because Amy, if I can use all these terminologies on you and all these different terms and convince you that you will never be able to figure out how to manage your money or invest it then you're more likely to give me your money to manage for you. And I can charge a really nice percentage and make money off that. And actually my job is going to be pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So if I don't empower you with the knowledge, the education, if I don't speak to you in plain terms, it's much better for us in the financial industry who are like investment managers who are going to manage your money. So that's what we're here to do is like debunk this and actually realize it's really quite simple. So yield interest, same thing. So you're setting up a high interest savings account. Now, this is not a big step. This is simply going on Google and typing in high yield or high interest savings account in and then put in your country name. And that's it. And you're going to get a list of different options that come up. And there's a few key things for anyone who's like, 
all right, I'm going to pause this now and I'm going to go off and do that. And if that's the only thing that you take away from this episode, then you already are on such a better path forward. But there's a couple of key things just to be super aware of. So the first is you want to ensure that there's no restrictions on that money in a savings account. And what I mean by that is certain savings account may give you a much higher interest rate, but it means you can't take your money out for 12 months. Or if you do, there'll be a penalty and you want to avoid those. So don't chase the extra percent or the extra 2% return if it means your money is going to get locked up. We want the money in our savings account to be there for us 24-7 whenever we need it, right? Because this is like shit hits, hits the fan, something happens. I need this money and I'm good because I know it's there. I know it's there waiting for me. So you want to make sure that there's no penalties check that there's no minimum requirements because some accounts only offer the high percentage if you put in 10 grand every month and that might not be accessible for everyone. And there's still amazing options available that will give you a really good interest rate, at least matching inflation. And you can access it at any time. There's no minimum deposits and it's there and it's ready and available for you. So I've said a lot in that one. Like, I'm one. just thinking like, why didn't we learn this in school? Why was I learning about parallelograms you know because like the war <laughs> you need that for your personal evolution parallelogram um so that is step one for everyone's financial journey and it doesn't matter where you're from like that is always step one is get yourself set up and if you're wondering like how much would i need in that savings account before i can move on um anything from three to six months of what we call essentials right? Or your necessities. We call these like your bucket one expenses, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this is stuff like, okay, my income goes to zero tomorrow. What do I really need? What are the necessities? What's the actual amount that I need to still be okay? That I can pay my rent or my mortgage, my utilities, um, my debt repayments, you know, my groceries, the things that I need to survive for the next month if it goes to zero. So we're looking at three to six months of those essentials necessities with a little buffer. Cause you might also want to live, you know, go out, have a nice dinner sometime, <laughs> at least the stress, maybe if income's gone to zero. So that's what we look at is at least three to six months. And then depending if someone, if someone is like super conservative, they may choose to have a much bigger um, savings fund. If someone is less so and they have a different situation, personal finance is personal. Um, they may choose, you know, three months is more than enough for me, but three months at least is a great starting point. Yeah. And I suppose that gives you like a more calm sense or more calm feeling when it comes to money, knowing that you have that there, because yeah. I've been in the position many times before, especially when I was starting my business where you know, if anything went wrong, it's like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because I'm sitting on a tiny little pile of money. Um, but then when you have the experience of having more money and savings, I personally have felt much more relaxed and in a more harmonious relationship with spending and investing because I know like I had something to rely on. So it made me feel more peaceful hundred percent. It's why even within what we do, we look at the wealth first, the 3D before we go on to manifestation, because you can see if you have everything set up in your world, you know what's happening in your money, your savings, your money is now out working for you. It's invested. By the time we get to, okay, now let's look at attracting more in your relationship has transformed so much already that it makes that like process so much easier because um, you've done so much of the heavy lifting already. So yes, savings fund is step number one on that journey. <laughs> um, step two depends, right? So if you are employed, if you have an employer, then step two for you would look like maxing out your employer pension contribution schemes. So let me just break this down. If you're not employed, this piece is less relevant, but let me just share for anyone that is listening that is working for someone. Um, your company will have their own pension scheme. Now, my very first company that I worked with in Dublin, I rolled my eyes when they sent around the pension forms and I was like, come on, I'm like 23. What do I need a pension for? <laughs> I wish I'd known better. But anyway, we live and learn. 
So your company will have a pension scheme and they will have typically what is known as a defined contribution scheme. So um, if you, they will have like a, a matching system or a matching program in place. So they can say, we will match your contributions up to, for example, 6%. So that would mean that 6% of your gross salary, so pre-tax, is going to go into this pension. And then your employer is going to be like, cool, you've put in 6%. Thank you. We're going to match it. So you're getting like free money from your employer and it's of your gross amount, which just means it's pre-tax. So it's of the bigger number. So if you are working for someone, this is definitely something you want to be doing. As I said, it's, it's basically free money that you can then take and use to invest, grow, compound over time, which we can talk about um, and build wealth even faster. So definitely for anyone who's employed, get that in place. Um, okay. Step three. <laughs> I, I, I'm finding you so refreshing. Honestly, it's great. It's like so helpful to have a plan for important things. And with money, I think sometimes women are resistant to being quite structured or planning with money because they're intimidated or it's easier to stick your head in the sand and just like save the pension for a rainy day, you know, think about it later. But I think it gives you confidence and it gives you power to make a plan with something that feels a bit difficult or intimidating. And then you feel like, hey, I'm in control of my destiny, my financial destiny. Oh, my God. That is probably one of the most prominent words that comes up from our witches. It's like that sense of confidence and empowerment of like, oh, I've got it. Like, it's good now. Or before it might have been a bit confusing or vague or a bit like cloudy. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of think. But now it's like, no, I've, I've had my money date. My money is working for me. Like, that's it. It's done. And I'm like, yep. Now move on with your life and enjoy yourself. This doesn't have to be something that takes up, you know, all your time. All these screens open up the end of that. So um, the ostrich effect is actually a term that's used. So it's interesting that you said to bury your head in the sand. Ooh. It's a term that's used in personal finance because it's such a common thing for people to do. It's like, this feels kind of risky, uncertain, unfamiliar. I know I need to look at my finances, but I don't want to. So I'm gonna bury my head in the sand, which is what ostriches do. They bury their head deep in the sand, <laughs> which is the ostrich effect. <laughs> so we won't pull any more ostriches anymore. Um, so yeah, so if you, you have your FU fund, your savings fund, if you're employed, you're going to max out your employer contribution. Um, so whatever they're going to match you on. And then um, the next step is looking at debt. So again, this is going to apply for some people, not for others. But if you do have debt, we're not moving on to investing yet. Okay, we're going to tackle this. Now, one of the myths is I can't invest at all if I have debt. And that's not true. So there's a it depends kind of moment. So your debt is either classified as high interest rate debt. So think about credit cards, super high interest. So we definitely want to be looking at those first before investing. And then you might have low interest rate debt. So that's anything under seven, let's say seven, eight percent low interest rate. So if we just look at step three as debt, we're going to look at our high interest rate debt. So anything above seven, eight percent, typically this is like credit card things high interest credit cards can go up to like 50% interest. It's crazy. We that want to make insane. Sure. Yes. And, and if you're not paying it off with the penalties, with the late fees, this is how people get into these financial spirals and they feel like they can't come up for breath because they're just drowning in these debts. Cause even if they're paying, all they're doing is chipping away at interest at that point. And so it's like, it, it can get really bad fast. So again, before we look at investing, we're going to tackle these high interest rate debts. And so, for example, credit card debt. But if someone does have debt, if you're listening right now and you have debt, my biggest piece of advice is write down what debt you have. Because so many women I speak to have no idea what interest they're even paying on their debt. And so that would be a step of like, you know, maybe I have two or three debts. Maybe I do have a credit card, but I actually don't even know what the percentage I'm going to be paying on that is. And so just jotting it down. Okay. Now I have it categorized. Now I know what interest I'm rating pain. Now I know which one to prioritize. So for example, with a credit card, we're, we're gonna wanna make sure that we clear that every month. 
as best you can, <laughs> like presuming you have the financial resources, of course, but that has to be a priority. Um, the credit card companies do a really interesting thing. It's a very sneaky game that they play and they have minimum payment. Right? You'll see that on a credit card statement, they'll have a minimum payment and it's usually something super, super small, like hundred pounds or something tiny. And so someone might think, oh, well, I can just pay the minimum and then I'm good. I won't get charged late fees. I won't get charged any penalties and I can just roll it over for next month. So this is how the credit cards companies win and they play you because what they do is that they leave this massive balance sitting there. They get these incredibly high interest charged on it. You come back next month to pay and you're like, wait, why is there so much more? It's because the credit card companies have like led you to believe you only need to pay the minimum, Amy. But now we get to charge you all of this high interest rate. And because most people are not financially empowered with education, it's not in our school system, it's not given to us in you know public awareness things, most people don't know these things. And so credit cards can be great for the perks, for the payment protection, for the bonus points, for all these things. But you just got to make sure that you're the one playing the game, not the credit card company. Yeah. You got to own that card, not let that card own you. That's right. <laughs> and if you're can, yeah, please. can I ask you a question? You can okay. fact check this for me. Okay. I saw something on the internet recently and it was saying that when you go to pay off your credit card, you can actually call the lender and say to them, please put this money towards the principal and not the interest. Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Is this true? Yeah. So um, the principal is like the actual debt that you're going to have. Interest is the cost for you borrowing that debt or the cost of having that debt. So this applies to credit card debt, it could apply to a car loan, um, any kind of form of debt that you're paying back. So when we talk about prioritizing this as step number three and paying it down, what we're looking at is above those minimum payments. So let's just say it's a car loan, right? And you're having, you know, your minimum every month is 400 pounds or 400 euro or dollars, whatever. And you're like, you know what, as part of my financial journey, I wanna actually start clearing that now. So I'm going to start, I'm going to continue to pay all my minimums and all my debts, but I'm going to focus on this car loan to really get it clear. So the principal might be the 10K that you took out initially. And the interest is you'll see it as a percentage, maybe 6%, but whatever they're charging you for the benefit of having that loan. So when you go to um, repay that loan and you're going to be adding more than just the minimum payment, that 400 pounds, what can happen is that when you send in maybe 600 pounds, they'll prepay that 200 pound difference towards the next interest payment. And so you've reduced your cost for next month of how much interest you owe, but the principal on which the cost is charged, that percentage hasn't budged. That right? is so crazy. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's like how, there must be so many people who don't know these things. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I'm glad you asked that one. Yes, there's there's a lot of nuances and there's just these, they're just uh, little tricks, little things that you need to be aware of. Um, I mentioned to you, I'm writing my book, right? So like going through is like all these little pieces of this is how you win the game. And so when you're paying down these things first, yeah, you want to make sure it's coming off the principle because again, remember the interest has been charged on the principal. So the smaller the principal goes, the less interest you're charging. Mm -hmm. If we're just paying off the interest payment, nothing changes because the, the key piece that we're getting charged on is staying the same. Yeah, that's yeah. so sneaky. So how do you ensure that? Do you call them up? Uh, do you, is there like a little box you tick somewhere? Like how do you actually make that shift? I love that you say it's so sneaky and I'm like, well, this is the financial industry, right? This is like the wolves of Wall Street kind of world. And I'm like, we're literally bringing it here, bringing back the power. Um, my recommendation is, yeah, give your, but whoever you have your loan with, just give them a call. And at least then you'll know exactly what you need to do with that company. Um, sometimes you might need to send off a letter or send off, fill out a form or whatever it is. It might vary. But yeah, give them a call, give their customer service a call and just make sure like, this is what I want to do. This is my plan. I'm going to prepay this faster can you make sure that this is coming off um the debt and it may be set up that it already is 
in some particular circumstances and that's great but you definitely want to be checking and um, because the default is probably that it's not yeah yes so that is the debt piece step one <laughs> high interest rate debt and then this the next piece which is one of my favorite things to talk about is we get to move on to investing so as you can see there's a couple of things we need to get in place first before we actually start making your money work for us and so at this stage, what I would be saying is like, let's just say now, Amy, you're the wealthy witch and you were going through your finances together. I'd be like, all right, let's now look at what other debts you have. And some of it might be under 7%. Now we're going to still pay off your minimum payments. We can see what other money we can divert to start paying down that faster. But we also get to start investing now. So if anyone's listening being like, why can't I just start investing from day one, like before I start paying down these debts, because I've heard investing builds your money and like you get to grow wealthy. Like why, why can't I just get started? Like screw the debt. I'm just going to go straight into get started. And the reason is over the long term, the return you can expect through the stock market post inflation adjusted for inflation, that nice little mean girl that's making everything more expensive um, is about 8% return, right? So you know, over the long term, average at 8%. Some, months, some years it's much higher, some years you're in the negative, but let's just average it out over the long term. So it's about 8%. So if you have a debt that's 20% interest, for example, you can see that if you're only receiving 8%, but you're paying 20%, you're not any better off. And so it's only when we have the high interest rate debt covered and we move on to after that then investing, because that's typically the types of returns we can expect. Just to make that super clarifying for anyone listening who's like, why can I just skip that previous step? Yeah, I kind of in my mind, I'm seeing like a bucket with a hole in it. And it's like, you can keep putting water in it, but if there's a little hole in the bottom, then it's just gonna be leaking out. And I think a lot of people kind of feel that way energetically with their money, like it, it's leaking out and they don't know where the hole is. So I love that your plan and this step-by-step -step process is just so easy to understand. It's, I think, fantastic for anyone who has like money trauma or like me, I have mathematics class trauma from high school where like I tried so hard in math and no matter how hard I tried, I feel like I just was always failing and I think I've spoken to lot, lots of women who have the same and even as adults, like grown ass women, yeah. they have this thing of like, I'm not good with money. There's no point in learning because I'm just shit at that. And mm -hmm. then all these jokes now on the internet about like girl math, about how, how we justify silly purchases. Um, so I yeah. love how easy to understand this is. Yeah. So, Amy, this is like, this is the reality though. It's like personal finance investing. It's actually, when you pull back the curtain, very simple. It's like, you just need someone to go, okay, let me take your hand and go through step-by-step step with you. Because like, if I started speaking Chinese to you right now, I don't know if you are fluent, but presumably you're not, you're going to no. have no <laughs> idea what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like, and what am I just going to say? Oh God, Amy, you're just not good. You're just not good with Chinese. Like you're never going to be good with Chinese. You might as well just like, forget it. Well, of course you've never been taught it. You've never tried to learn it. Like where was that? Why would you want to? Cause it was never in your awareness to learn Chinese. And it's the same with finance. It's like, it's another language that we learn, but it's been for most people not being brought to their awareness. It's not an education system. They've not been brought up in the family. And then, we're as adults just expected to know these things. And because we don't, we can be made feel stupid. There's a whole industry that makes it seem really complex. It's very male driven, it's very masculine, Wall Street bro, chest buying. Like it can feel so intimidating. And like, if I ask a question, I'm gonna be made feel really stupid. And that's gonna bring up a lot of trauma, maybe from maths class or whatever it was. And that's not something I wanna do. So do you know what? I'm just gonna stay over here manifest away that's awesome i'll keep it in my bank account and it will all be fine because the universe has got my back right? <laughs> so we just kind of ostrich right but it's not i say it's an ostrich effect but not in a way to make anyone feel bad or beat up on themselves like how were you meant to know otherwise how and so that's why we're here right we're making the steps to to change things and 
I was telling you, we wrapped up one of our programs last night and one of the women in there was just like, but is this it? Like, this is it. So my money's just working and I've had my money date and like, but this is so simple. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know, but it's, um, it's made feel really complex. So I totally get why women have these traumas around it and things, but if I can just leave you with one feeling of like, this can be easy and it is. Yeah. You're definitely making it feel and uh, sound like more warm and like easy and uh, like you're, you're just, you have a gentle like Irish accent and you're just like laying it out really simply. I love it. Like you are the teacher that we've all been looking for. Um, so what's next in the in your process? What comes next? So when we get to the investing piece, this is kind of like when we open up another door. So now we're going to step into another realm of the world of investing. Now, um, I think I shared with you earlier, one of the key first rules of investing is don't invest in what you don't understand. I have heard too many terrible stories of people being told we can double your money. We can offer you these amazing returns. All you need to do is hand over your money or just buy this next stock or whatever it is. And they don't know what they're doing, understandably. And so they end up losing money. And then there's all this fear. And then there's all this resistance to ever doing it again. Right? We saw in 2008, big financial crisis. And such a massive percentage of the population will never invest again because of the trauma. And financial loss and trauma trigger the same brain centers. So financial loss is a real um, traumatic experience for people that you know, they may never move through otherwise. So when we look at investing, one of the key things that we really emphasize is education and understanding what you're investing in. Because I always want to make sure that when women leave working with us, that money is with them for the rest of their life, that they know what to do themselves. And it's not me just doing it for them or saying, just invest in one, two, three, and then you're done. Right. It's about educating so that they understand how things are moving, why they're making investments, why they're choosing what to invest in. So If we look at the financial markets, if you've ever looked at the stock market, initially it can feel really scary. And right now you might just, an image might be conjuring in your mind of like this stock chart, this graph going up and down and it's like red and then it's green and you're like, what are they talking about? And that looks like a roller coaster that I do not want to get on with my money. No thanks. (laughs) No fun. This is usually what it looks like when we look at stock charts. It's up, down, up, down, up, down. So most people confuse it as a roller coaster, something risky. That's like gambling. I'm going to lose my money. Nope. Going to keep it in my bank account where it's actually losing money. So no, the stock market, the financial markets actually move like seasons. Right? so this is a different way to look at it. It moves like seasons. So there's a summer, there's a winter, there's an up, there's a down. Um, and the analogy that I use is investing in the stock market. So when we are on an upward trend, so an upward trend meaning the economy is thriving, companies are doing great, you know, this is the summer of the stock market. You're going to see, like, if you listen to the news, I don't, but if if you t- turn on CNN, for example, you're going to hear positivity, you know, green tickers, everything's up, 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 and there's all this optimism and everyone's excited and there's a lot of people saying, you've got to buy now because we're in something called a bull market, right? A bull market just means up. So the U in bull is, or we're going upwards. So that period of time is kind of like summer. And so if you think about it, everyone's outside, everyone's having a good time, the sun's shining, you look up and you're like blue skies, you're like, oh my God, I could never imagine in my life that like it's gonna be cold or rainy or that there would be snow or that I'd be cold, like I'm so hot. So do you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to go inside and throw out all my winter clothes because clearly winter is never coming again. Because look at it. It's (laughs) so good. And as crazy as that sounds, that is the approach that so many investors take. They see things going so well. And so they buy, they get wrapped up on that excitement and optimism. And then inevitably the season changes, right? We know this change is coming like a bear market. It's called it's when things are going down and we see it down, downward pressure, downward pressure. We know it's coming. We don't know when, but we know there's going to be winter, right? We know it's coming. So you don't want to be the person in your bikini when it's snowing. 
And so a lot of people, a lot of investors who maybe don't understand what they're investing in, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, things are going down. Prices are dropping. Now there's pessimism. There's fear. A lot of people are saying you got to sell. We're like, you know, things are collapsing. We've never seen it like this before. And these are the most dangerous words. This time it's different. This is what they were saying all throughout the last financial crisis. This time it's different. And people were losing family fortunes because of it. And you know what? It wasn't different. It was the exact same as any time before. It just lasted a bit longer. And so people get into the winter phase. And so they start selling. They lock in all these losses and they step back and they go, I'm never getting on that roller coaster again. And then summer comes and they're like, oh, it's kind of optimistic again. I better go back and buy. And so what they've ended up doing, Amy, is getting on the roller coaster at the very high when the prices are highest, getting off at the very bottom at the low when the prices are lowest. And so they're buying expensive, they're selling cheap, and that is the fastest way to lose money. Mm. Right? So once we're on that roller coaster or once we're in the game, we just stay in it because it comes around again. The summer's coming, the winter's coming. But we know over the long term, if we look at the US market over the last 150 years, it's moved on an upward trajectory, which just means that as long as you stay in it, your money is going to continue to grow. It's going to go up and down in between. And that's okay because we're not traders. We're not gamblers. We're not looking at our stocks every day. It's up and down over time. But that's fine. We're just continuously investing over and over and over. And when we decide we want to take that money out, our money's been working hard for us. Yeah. I know I've said a lot here, so if there's things to clarify, like, please let me know. But I just wanted to give a, a, some type of picture for people to understand when we look at investing, what are they actually investing in? Yeah. I mean, it's great advice for so many things. It's, the answer to a lot of problems is to just hold the pose and just to persevere and just keep your cool and carry on, you know. like you know if you're on your period and especially when you're a business owner or your luteal phase you know the decisions the thoughts the spirals the mini mental breakdowns you're having like if you track your cycle and you know yourself you know okay it's just this week you know I'm going to be ovulating in two weeks and I'm going to be like killing it. And this is just like a temporary pause from slaying. But if you shut down your business every time you freak out, you know, once a month, like you're going to be in a more turbulent ride with everything and not making the best decisions anyway. So I think it's like such a good metaphor that we often talk about spiritually and um, in the personal development world, but it's so great that it also applies to that world, which I think a lot of people think of as like separate to, yeah, you know, the things we, we're normally talking about in our spiritual rooms. Yeah, there actually, there's a lot of similarities and it's like investing is actually a very like feminine practice in a way because you understand those cycles just like we have, as you said, and then your money works for you. Like what is the more like, I'm just going to sit back and receive and let my money go to work for me. I mean, is that sounds like a dream. Sounds like a feminine dream. (laughs) It's made out to seem so masculine and whatever, but it's like, it's actually a very like, let me just receive, like I have a little bit of work to do at the start, but then I'm just going to receive and receive and receive. (laughs) So I love the narrative. Yeah, we shift the narrative. Amazing. I wanted to share one last thing. Of course, if you have any of the questions to clarify, I'll happily answer. But just to kind of put a a bow, I guess, on this conversation around investing for if people are looking at, okay, I kind of understand the markets, like what next? Um, There's lots of different investment options. So that would just be the next step for someone is to understand what investment options are right for them. The option that I recommend to all of my witches are something called index funds, they're also called ETFs, exchange traded funds. Think about them as uh, twin sisters, right? Super similar. And for most long-term investors, the differences don't really matter. But um, basically, the financial industry has made these lists of different things, right? which is called an index. But just think of it as a list. So we have, you may have heard of like an S&P 500, right? That might have been a term that you or someone listening might have heard. So an S&P 500 is just a list 
of the top 500 companies in the US. And this was just put together as a list of like, oh, these are the highest valuing companies in the US. Awesome. So an index, a list, that's the list. Then they also created this thing called an index fund. And you think of a fund as a basket. So they took that list and they put it in the basket. And then they said, Amy, do you want to buy some of this basket? You'd be like, yeah, I would love to get some exposure to all of those 500 companies, but I don't want to have to go out and buy all those 500 companies. Can I just buy a piece of the basket that that list is in? And they're like, sure. Now you've just bought an index fund and you've got exposure to 500 companies in the US. And that is the investing piece. I have one of those. Awesome. <laughs> I think that's that's my only investment right now. But uh, I remember my husband trying to explain it to me because he used to work in finance and I was like so scared to ask like, how does this thing work? Or like, what should I put my money into? And then he explained it to me and I was like, oh, I had that moment that we've been talking about where you realize like, oh, it's actually not that complicated. I just made it a big deal in my head because I didn't want to feel stupid or make the wrong decision or I didn't know who like to look to for how to explain it. Yeah. Uh, but it's actually not that complicated. It's very easy. And then I would just chuck money in there whenever I wanted, you know, just put it in the basket. Yeah. And the onus, like take that even off you or for anyone listening who's like, oh, I just, it's like, it's not even on you to feel bad that you didn't know about it. Cause it's like, this information is not like just you know, so well, thankfully it's becoming more mainstream, but it's been so hidden and kept and made sound either really boring, which is like, really, do you want to sit down and have your coffee and read a really boring finance book where you're scratching your head going, what are they saying to me? What is this guy trying to say except rubbing his own ego? Or do you want to like, read like ask and it is given you know, or something <laughs> that more like untethered so yeah let's go read it so if, when I speak with women I'm like look we don't have to look very far back in our history to understand that the system wasn't set up for us to win 1960s 1970s we were getting only then access to have our own bank accounts our own credit cards in our name without a male co-signer like that is not very long ago it's so, not even one person ago is that no, it's so, so near. So much of the change that we just take for granted as kind of like our generation is so recent. And so it's one of the things when women are like, oh, I should have known better. I'm like, nope, nope, not here. <laughs> that is not like allowed here because you, you really couldn't have unless you had a parent or a guardian who was going to sit you down and go, hey, Amy, like, let me show you step by step what this is. And you know, my parents never had that from their parents because they never had. So it, somewhere we need to break that cycle. So I, that's why I'm so happy we're having this conversation to at least shed some awareness and enlightenment on the fact that this is really accessible. This is so female, feminine, right? This yeah. is for us and it's so accessible for us as well. And investing, building wealth is like the biggest flex you can pull. Like, I have some things on um, reels and stuff on Instagram, just showing when you save it versus when you invest it and that compound interest effect that happens. It's like, oh, that is, that gets me excited. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing this somewhere of yours. Like, it might've been on your webpage for your group program or something like that. And there was yeah. different sections on the page where you gave these examples of like, if you invested this, here's where it would be in like this amount of years versus this amount of years. And seeing that side-by-side -side comparison, I was like, holy shit, you know, know, you know, you know, on some level, you know, if I'm consistent with my investments and smart about that, that I'm going to make money over time. But then when you see how it compounds, it's like, it's <laughs> incredible. And like one of the really exciting things is like in our witches, we have so many moms and single moms in there who have young kids and we're showing them like you can set up your investment account for your kid now like you know a lot of us are maybe 20 30 years out from let's just say retirement if we ever decide to do that right but like these are children and they're gonna get like 40 50 60 years potentially of just that money working away from like the 
difference that's going to make. And this is why it really excites me, this idea that we're doing this for us, yes, but we're like breaking generational patterns. We're building generational wealth. Like we're really, we're making such a big difference and it only takes such simple changes. And then you get on with your life. This is not something you need to sit and, and be doing every single day. It's like once a month, check in and then go. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, for me, I, um, my late grandfather, he was a very smart investor. He was a very successful man knighted by the Queen of England. And, but he, he took his money. It was quite like a conservative Virgo and he really invested it very smart and created a lot of wealth. My dad has also been like a very good investor. He, um, you know, has made a lot of money, self-made money through the choices and, and investments that he's made, but nobody ever passed that education down to me. And all I saw my entire life is like men doing that. And then mm -hmm. the women just marry into that or, um, you know, they get a rich husband. Like a lot of the people I grew up with, you know, then they married into like wealthy families. And so I never have really seen this shining example had those teachings and wisdom passed down from like female to female. It's like in the back of my mind, I think most of my life I thought, well, that's for the men and like, mm. we're lucky if we get to like share a bit of the abundance, you know, we find a different way to make money. So yeah. it's so cool. I hear you. I mean, this is the stuff that like, we can sit in women's circles under full moons and talk about this, you know, like they shouldn't, in my mind at least, maybe that's just because of who I am, but there, there doesn't need to be a separation of like, hey, it's safe to talk about the spiritual stuff over here and, and it's beautiful but that investing stuff that's for the guys that's more like aggressive and we don't want to know like as i said sit back receive like what a beautiful practice to have in your life of knowing hey my money is working for me whether i'm feeling my best or not because it doesn't discriminate yeah, yeah definitely and just being wise and empowered with your decisions i saw you posted a great post the other day about birkin bags by the way i loved that because i'm a handbag enthusiast but, <laughs> well it's great like i think it's it's not as um it doesn't appreciate as much as uh birkins but i love chanel handbags and chanel handbags are more expensive to buy secondhand a lot of the time than they are new they hold incredible value i actually only kind of really began to understand this when I was selling some handbags it was just like too much and I was shocked at the like what I was getting for them secondhand and I was like oh like these really hold their value and I wasn't even intentionally trying to keep them in mint condition for resale yeah so designer like designer clothes no designer shoes no designer bags jewelry yeah for sure yeah it's crazy. Like one of my Chanel bags was 1500 euros less brand new than it's being sold for secondhand with a few like probably lipstick stains on the inside. And it's like, yeah, I remember someone in my family was saying something to me like, you need to stop buying so many handbags. And I was like, they're Chanel. They're a great investment. <laughs> That's such a good, it's like it's actually called diversification yeah it's a diversified <laughs> portfolio with straight bags and index funds all right thank you <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, so true i love that so much oh uh, amazing it's been so good to chat there was one last thing i did want to ask you actually we sort of started briefly touching on it um around uh these different ways that you can put money um as a mother like into your children's future. And you said something to me around like hiring your child as an employee or something. Could you, can you tell us about this? Like, yes. So it may vary from a tax point of view, country to country, but the premise being, so I look at like from when I have a child, right. Um, I'm a business owner, my child may become like a model in my business. Let's just say, so now I can put my child in my payroll and actually give them um, a salary. So it reduces my tax bill because now I have an employee that I'm paying 
um, a salary to. So they're getting an income and then we're going to invest that income for them. Um, so two big markets, the UK, the US. So in the UK, you can have a junior ISA, it's called. In the US, it's just a custodial account. Um, and there are two ways or two types of accounts that you can invest for a minor and allow their money to then grow over time. And that is an alternative to you having your money and then you just investing for them because then it's you've been taxed on that. So it's just a, a tax efficient way to help your child kind of build wealth from day zero. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just a smarter way of what most people would think of as putting money away for like a college fund for their kids. But usually maybe the average person would just put that in a savings account where they're like we said at the beginning, they're losing money. Yeah. This way you bring your tax down and then put it, you know, behind or towards their future in the most efficient way I like it you got to just play the game so the game don't play you right literally Amy my time working in finance I got to hang out with like the multi-millionaires the billionaire tycoon type people they are obsessed with tax obsessed it's like everything they do is is tax centered it's how would how am I gonna how am I gonna give this money to someone in a very tax efficient way they're not like they're not the average person who's like oh, I just got my salary and now I'm just going to pay this person or I'm going to give money to someone. No, they're setting up trusts or different structures in place so that it's all tax sheltered and it's all tax efficiently done so that they're reducing their tax constantly. It's the one thing that I noticed at the very start was like, they think so differently to yeah. the average person. So, yeah. Yeah, and also about debt, right? Because the sort of average person has been conditioned to think of debt as bad or shameful, you know, like if you've got a shit credit score, like a lot of people would feel very yeah. ashamed to sh share that. Um, but the ultra wealthy or sort of savvy people are using debt intentionally against the way that inflation is working so that their loan end up, ends up being way less than what they initially borrowed, right? hundred percent it's why you see like Adele taking out a mortgage to buy a house that she could very well just pay up front for but she's like why would I put all of that money off to buy this house when I can actually use the bank's money I pay a small interest rate and I can then use the money I would have spent I would have um, spent to invest it and get a much higher interest rate yeah. so um with debt we have like good debt bad debt good debt is buying assets buying things like that and with wealthy people, you might have seen this, it's leverage, right? This is something we used to talk about all the time in finance. It's like, it's you're leveraging something, you're using bank debt or some form of debt to leverage your position to go make more money. In regular people talk, it's like, oh, you have debt, so shameful. But again, there's a bit of a nuance, whether it's good debt, bad debt, we wanna pay off bad debt if it's not adding to our lives and it's, yeah. um, it's just costing us, so. But, yeah. Yeah, so it's different. It's a bit different. It's not all debt is created equal, um, and th I think there's also a bit of woo in there in terms of the perception around debt. Because for a normal person, it's called debt, but like you said, for a wealthy person, it's leverage. Yeah. Oh, it's very different. It's really interesting when you step into just a different world, and you're like, they just see things so different. And I think they, because, you know, I came from very humble upbringings in Cork, like we don't have, <laughs> we didn't have like the billionaires hanging out in Cork that I was hanging around with. Um, but it's interesting when you see how they look so differently at debt, at tax, at managing their money, at how they make money. Um, yeah, it's a, a different, it's a mindset shift for sure. Yeah. I have one last question for you and it's around investing. We have a lot of listeners of the show who are, women who invest in their personal development, in their businesses, you know, courses, retreats, all that sort of thing, yeah. which is obviously amazing. How would this kind of woman decide, like, or balance what to invest in? Like, you know, given the choice, you can invest in yourself mm -hmm. or invest in stocks and in this more traditional way of investing. Like, are those investments created equal? How would you, how, how does a woman decide like what's the right choice at this moment? Yeah, look, 
an investment in yourself is always incredible because we're infinite beings, right? So our potential return is infinite. So that's, you know, a big um, support of investing in myself. I always have been. However, <laughs> within the coaching industry, within the personal development industry, there's some really toxic narratives that I've become very aware of and that I know we're going to be a bit taboo to call out. But this thing of like, if you're not spending or investing in yourself to your edge, to your absolute edge, then you don't believe in yourself. Right? <laughs> you don't deserve the success. All this kind of BS, and it's just toxic narrative by people who are just really shady and quite shitty salespeople. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. I would never want someone to come into a program who's invested such to their edge that they're now putting themselves in such financial strain and difficulty. It's causing them so much stress. Where are we winning there? Yeah. Right? I'm always like, you've got to take care of yourself in this very physical world. Like there's so much free resources that if you want to go work with someone and you don't have the money to do that yet, that's okay. Don't, don't succumb. And I've seen, like I had a woman work with me who got herself into insane debt because of the promise of a program that was going to help turn it all around for her. Right? And if you go in and you're so stressed, like where's that turnaround coming for you? Like energetically, that's not working. And so don't be putting yourself into debt, says I, who once has, but don't put yourself into debt with the promise of someone saying, unless you're investing at your edge, you're not going to win. Like take care of yourself first, financially in the 3D physical world that we live in, because those debt repayments are always going to be with you. And then see what you have to invest in yourself. And investing in yourself doesn't always have to be like, oh, I've invested 10 grand, 20 grand. That means I'm now justified to be a success. You could invest in a hundred pound program and still have the same belief that I'm still freaking worthy of whatever success I want or, and desire, right? The Just that narrative really bugs me of like, you've got to really invest at your edge if you, if you want to be worthy of getting this or if you really believe in yourself, you would. And it's like, yes, I know how the subconscious mind works. I know we can manifest whatever we want and all of that. But also energetically, if you're putting yourself into a very bad financial situation, you've just shifted your energetic set point to a very different place. It's going to take a lot of heavy lifting to try and get past that, to even try and make a return back on what you've just invested in. So yes, invest in yourself, but be, be a wealthy witch savvy about it. Mm, I love that. Okay. Such yeah. good advice. It's kind of like we mentioned uh, diversifying your portfolio. I guess you can diversify your choices and sort of safeguard yourself when you are going to take those bigger risks. Because I think there are definitely moments in my journey where, I've, where I have taken like quite big risks that maybe most people wouldn't like feel so comfortable. But I had like the foundations if I felt you know what I mean? So maybe it's also like diversifying your investments. Like if you're going to make a bigger investment in your personal development or your business, do you have that savings account set up that we spoke about? Yeah. Um, you know, do you have a plan if you don't get that immediate return? Are you also in a place in your life where you can implement everything from that program for like the highest chance of a return or success? You know, I think when when people invest big, it almost like there's this narrative, like the bigger you invest, the bigger result you're going to get. And it's, sometimes that's true. But I think it's because sometimes when you invest big, you take the implementation really seriously. So you think yeah. I invested five figures in this. So I'm going to do everything. I'm going to put it into place. You're motivated. But that's just um, like a mindset. You could have that same level of implementation with a $50 ebook if you really like set your sights on it and you're like, I'm going to treat this ebook like it was $10,000. <laughs> um, so I love your advice. I think it's like so good to be wise and nuanced and discerning and like know when to take risks, but also know when to just slow down and like be more cautious and have a plan in place. Yeah, for sure. And like, Personal finance, it's all personal. Personal development is personal. You know, so there's no blanket answer that, you know, oh, this is right for you, this is wrong for you. It's it's knowing yourself. It's just, I see the flip side of women coming into my programs 
and they're spiritual women, they're women who love personal development and they've invested so much in getting the next qualification because they think that's what they need. Yeah. And what they ended up with is a lot of qualifications and a lot of, a lot of debt. And it's like, let's just make sure that you're good first financially, that you're set up, that you have some savings, that you're able to take care of yourself, you're not stressed. And then of course, like invest in yourself. Like it's part of what we do as well. We do mindset work and energy work and we love all that, but it's just, let's just shift the narrative and actually protect women and support each other and, and be okay to say, you know what? I'm just not there yet. I would love to invest, but maybe I'm just not there yet. And that's okay. No shame. Like let's stop forcing women to feel like they can only be successful if they have to like financially push themselves to an edge if you feel called to do that and it feels expansive and you're like, Ooh, that's an edge, but it's an exciting edge. Like, Oh, I have invested that much before myself. Like, Ooh, that's bringing up like some resistance, but that's something like, that's a terror barrier. I want to move through because that's a next level of expansion. That's awesome. I've been there. I've done it. And it's freaking amazing, but not if it's like, okay, if I invest in this program and it doesn't give me the return, I can't pay my rent next month. That's not a place that, any woman should be putting themselves in because of a peer pressure or some type of pressure system from someone else. So, yeah, it's yeah. just going to make your nervous system go crazy and maybe have a panic attack and you're not going to be able to like think clearly or like yeah. do, do the best job of what you're doing because it, there's such thing as like leading at the edge. And then there's also just like diving over the edge <laughs> of the cliff, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, if you if you have a million dollars in the bank and you want to go buy, you know, a Range Rover, that might feel edgy for you. But at the end of the day, you've still got 900K left over, right? Yes. But if you've got 100K in the bank and you go buy a 100K car, mm. that's yeah. a different situation, you know? Yeah, so 100%. And, look, we can all say every program will guarantee results. And even in my own, I'm the same. I'm like, if you come with this, we can guarantee that you will become an investor by the time you leave. However, it depends on your turning up. So you've got to know yourself. Am I in a place where I can turn up to get that result? Am I in place mentally, energetically, like environmentally, where I'm actually gonna be able to dedicate myself to this? And if not, then, you know, that's okay. But just don't expect a miracle and put yourself in a bad financial situation um, because of it, so. Yeah. it's it's good it's good you know it's important to like bring that nuanced conversation to this space because there's a lot of black and white sensationalism and really blanket messages out there and um you know some women may just not know that you know they trust in certain voices or certain messages and they also look up to people that are maybe um, living or portraying a certain level of success and taking that advice, not with a grain of salt or taking that advice, you know, and applying it to their context, which is totally different or in their, they're in a different stage or a different moment in their life. So I think it's really wise advice that you brought. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. Don't worry. I'm unapologetic. I'm always just like straight talking about the things that go on <laughs> uh, that stuff just bugs me though when I see it I'm like I can't follow this person anymore it's like stop this is just toxic <laughs> I stop it you're like this is the opposite of everything I've ever learned in finance <laughs> no. I know it's interesting in the spiritual world though because I mean we can all talk about manifestation and it feels easier because if someone's like hey I haven't manifested yet it can be like oh, well, the universe timing surrender right as a coach there's like less accountability but if someone says hey, I haven't invested yet. I'm like, well, I've fucked up somewhere. I need to show you if you haven't figured that out. And so it's really easy to talk about money and financial wealth and all these things from a spiritual energetic point of view um, and not really still know what the person, like the person may not even know what they're doing or not practicing it or implementing it or living it at all. It's like, there's, it's, you can see it's easier to fluff and faff your way through that space. And so for women in these spiritual communities, it's just, being aware, not being pressurized, you know, realizing everything online isn't true. People can look rich and not be wealthy at all, you know, so there's differences in those and go through those step by step. We live in a 3D world. Like 
I love the manifestation. I love that we were obviously, we called ourselves the witches. Like we're here for all of it, but just get yourself sorted in this very 3D physical world we live in. And it's going to make all the magnetism, all the rest of it so much more enjoyable and peaceful for you. Um, so yeah, I think that's my message for my spiritual sisters. Yeah, I love how you laid it out so clearly for us. I feel like I learned so much from you today as well. And I can't wait for your book to come out. Uh, how, what about our listeners if they loved all this information, but they need that help and accountability with implementing it? Are you reopening your program soon or will the book be out quite soon? Yes. So yes to all of it. So if someone's looking for like a next step of, okay, I want to go actually do this now, we have an online program, self-paced. They can go through that fully on their own and that's always available. Um, or we also have our live experiences, which is called the Witches of Wall Street live. And that is opening again on the 20th of November. And that's a seven week experience where if you are, as I said, if you turn up and you join us on the journey, our mission is to ensure that you leave that with your money invested working for you um, and you've shifted your whole relationship with money. Your personal finances are in place. You're going to feel empowered and confident. And so that's that journey that we go on. So all on my website, all on my social media, people can go check them out. Cool. Amazing. So good. I, yeah, I learned so much. I um, know that our listeners will be writing all the notes. Anyone listening, if you do any of these things, send us a message. Be like, I opened my high yield savings account or like I invested in my first index fund. We want to celebrate with you. hundred percent. A hundred percent. I could stay literally chatting with you. I feel like for hours. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll do round two on the next uh, financial topic. <laughs> Definitely. We can like focus on index funds, how they work and what to do with them. Amazing. Thank you so much, love, for joining yeah. us. Thank you, Amy. It was a joy. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.